Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Dr. Tiffany Tajiri, who is a licensed and board-certified clinical psychologist, a veteran U.S. Air Force officer, and currently the chief of the largest behavioral health clinic at Fort Bliss in Texas. In today's episode, we talk about her book, Peace After Combat, Healing the Spiritual and Psychological Wounds of War, that addresses the trauma and struggle that soldiers and their family may experience when they return home. Welcome to Lifeology. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, James, for having me. It's such a blessing to be on your show. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And first off, thank you so much for protecting us and serving us. And for all of the, um, the other soldiers out there, thank you so much for your, all, of your, all the things that you've done to keep us safe. It's my privilege and honor. Thank you. Now, we're in the same field. Now, you went, obviously went ahead and finished your doctorate. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> but how did you get into this field? How did you know that that's what you wanted to do? You know, it was a calling on my life, an anointing by God, and you just feel drawn when you're spirit led, you just go in that direction. And it spoke so much to my heart to help people emotionally see themselves the way God sees them in such a divine, beautiful way. And I want people not to be stuck on what the enemy may say, those mm -hmm. negative self thoughts, but to see themselves through the eyes and image of God. You know, one of the things I really appreciate about you is not only do you have the science behind psychology, but you also have the spirituality behind it. How do you merge those two things together? Because I think that's really important because I think sometimes people don't know how to do that or think it has to be one or the other. And just like you and just like me, I believe that they can't be merged together. So how do you do that? Yeah. So I think it's so important to understand that, James, you and I are a series of electrochemical, magnetic 
physiological, all chemistry, neurochemistry. That's what we are. We're just this huge chemical reaction. We are science. And so our divine creator created us using science. And I see science as his mechanism of action. It's something that we need to have reverence for, awe and wonder of that incredible miracle. Yeah, I agree as well. And it's interesting because sometimes when people say, well, there's no science behind it. Well, there's really science behind everything. We probably haven't just discovered, we have not discovered everything. So if people don't have a name for it yet, give it a little bit more time and the name of what, of something for science will happen. And we're like, oh, okay, now it makes sense as well. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> yeah. When I was reading your information, you were, one of the things you really wanted to focus on was when when veterans or when soldiers return home, just even the, the celebration and the hugs that people can get can really trigger them and, and create some, type, some form of trauma. Can we talk about the when soldiers return, the experience that they have when that happens? And then we'll jump into the book. But can you walk me through what that's like for a veteran who returns home? Let's say they get off the plane and all of a sudden their family's there. What are the, some of the triggers they would experience? Absolutely. When they're overseas in combat, we usually say they're in the sandbox. That's the term. So when they're in the sandbox, you have to really understand they have a target on their head no matter what. They are in that constant amygdala triggering of that mm -hmm. fight or flight mode. And so they are anxious. Um, they come together. They have camaraderie. They find a new battle rhythm, a survival battle rhythm. You also have to think that the austere environment that they're in being sand. It's like sandstorm, sand, and there's no color. There is no color out there. So literally on deployments, they tell our service members, take some colorful blankets so that your eyes can see color again. It's so interesting. And so they see this drab, the olive drab green, right? And they see beige. And so when they come back, you know, they have been away from their family. They haven't been close to those interpersonal connectivity of hugs and kisses. And some of the things that they've seen have radically changed how they view themselves, sure. others, the world at large, and even their spiritual belief system. And so when they come home, everything is overstimulating. Can you imagine if just seeing color is overstimulating, how much the traffic, the noise, Cars mm -hmm. flying down on a highway at the speeds that they fly down is not something that they would see in Afghanistan or Iraq. They drive slowly to prevent IEDs. So it's a radical mm -hmm. shift and they have to rewire their brains from going from battle mind to living in garrison and in garrison is here in America. And so it's a lot of stuff that is overstimulating and we have to recalibrate them to setting the alarm where it's not in high alert mode, it comes down mm. to its normal baseline. Sure. Wow. That, that's a really good point. I had no idea. I mean, that's, I mean, obviously you've, you've been over there. I, I didn't realize that, but so when it comes to the five senses, the, the farthest sense that we use is our sense of sight. So when you use your sense of sight to see what's around you, then all of a sudden does not have the color. I, I can only imagine how that would change one's brain because then there's, you don't see in perhaps necessarily as much depth. And so the depth perception can obviously affect one's the way they look at the world, but then also just to just, I guess, just affect how they see the world in general to see, we always talk about, you can see the world in grays, but now they see it yeah. and taupe or sand or greens. Yeah. <laughs> it's not only physical, but it's also yeah. psychological, right? And so yeah. all these factors coming into play and all these variables can cause them to feel overwhelmed and overstimulated by what's here in America. How do you help people? And because in your book, I know uh, peace after combat, healing the spiritual and psychological wounds of war. How do you help them recalibrate not only in their the physicality in their brain, but also in their spirituality as well? 
Yeah. Number one is psychoeducation. That's that big fancy word of why your brain is processing trauma in the way it does. And you have to understand that our brains are all similar just because you're a combat mm -hmm. veteran doesn't make you any different than anyone else because as human beings, we process traumatic events in the same way. So one is understanding the psychology behind it, the incredible science of our brains and how God has wired us neurobiologically. But the second component is really helping them understand that God is on their side. And so the scripture that I like is Psalm 23 is, yea, as I mm. walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Yes. So what I inform them is that God is with them during the difficult times. He's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of evil. My bottom line up front is God is love, right? Because in scripture, it says God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And he neurobiologically wired us for love. And I let them know that God's not the author of the bad things. There's a real enemy in the world. And in order to have love, we have to have relationship and relationship requires free will. So God's never going to take away the nasty things that other people do, because as soon as he takes our free will away, the purpose of our creation, which is love, is null and void. And when they understand sure. that God's not the author of planting the IEDs or this, that, or the other, they recognize, hey, God is on my side. And even though I lost a battle buddy, my battle buddy's at the right hand of God. And my battle buddy who's in heaven wants me to heal and to move forward. These are all ways of reframing the brain to rewire a traumatic experience. It's actually changing the physical mm -hmm. substrates of the memory so that they can see how God was there for them, the ways that God was there to get them through the challenging parts of their lives and the divine connections he placed for them. And so when they rewire that traumatic memory, they see it in a different light and it no longer gets filed in the fear center of the brain, which is the amygdala. It actually just goes back to the normal memory, which is the hippocampus. And that's how we process trauma with God at the center and also understanding physiology. I really, I really like how you say that because in that it's the, the rewiring of things because there's some of my, my listeners may know about this, but there's a there's something that's called existentialism. Existentialism, existentialism is essentially what's the reason for this? What's the reason? For, what's the purpose for my life? What's the purpose for this? Why why did this happen? So when you can really look at that, and there's some things we just don't know. But for you, I love the the methodology you use as far as the connecting of something greater than themselves. And so with that, for you, it's God, and for me, it's God. For many people, it's many other things. But for you, that's what you're really specifically talking about is how to take something we don't know and allow and connect that with something greater than ourself who can then give us purpose for things. And so when we don't understand it, it allows for us to say, I don't necessarily have to understand it. I mean, and I may never understand it, but I know that something greater than myself is supporting me, has a purpose in the plan for my life and will continue to move and guide me to the next step of my life. Oh, you're so on point. That is so eloquent, James. Yes, it's exactly how I perceive it. Um, love is so important. And like I said earlier, you may not believe in God, but I think as a human society, we can believe in love and caring for one another and compassion. And we have to feel that that love is moving within us. We are wired for it. That's the purpose of our attachments. And that's what brings us peace and joy and happiness. And we have to understand that love is working in our favor. Yes, exactly. And, and I really appreciate that because 
everybody, it doesn't matter who you are in life, has felt love at one time mm. or other. Now, a 13-year-old girl may have a different experience than a, a 35-year-old woman, but there's a love is love. And so we understand the concept of that. And I think that's one of the most important things because sometimes in life it can be so divisive, You know, whether it's unfortunately political divisiveness, um, religious divisiveness, many different d- divisions, but we all know what our emotions are. We all experience the same things. And so when we recognize that I may not understand someone but I know I can love them. I know that they can receive love or I can receive love. And to understand from a fundamental standpoint that we all are wired for love, wired for attachment, wired for that, then that can be the commonality of how we're able to talk to each other to say, I don't understand you, but I, I respect you and I respect you as a person. And I know that we can somehow find camaraderie if that isn't even is through a, um, a friendship standpoint or for anything other than that. But we all experience the same type of emotions. Yes. And you know, you working as a therapist, I'm sure you're familiar with Carl Rogers. Mm -hmm. And so he's big on talking about building rapport with our patients Mm -hmm. and, and his mechanism of action is unconditional positive regard. regard. Right. And so that's exactly what love is. It's being able to be fully transparent, being fully vulnerable as Brene Brown states that vulnerability is the birthplace to joy. Right. But we have to let that guard down. And so love is being able to be vulnerable and being able to be seen by someone. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. When, when you look at your book or not your look, when you wrote your book, what was the main reason for it? So you looked around the world and say, Oh my gosh, people need to hear this. What happened for you that that was like the turning point to say, yes, I have to write this book today. You know, I've been writing a few books prior to, and they were all fiction. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had this great concept, another dystopian novel out there. Oh my goodness. And then they, I just got rejection after rejection after rejection. And I was like, God, where do you want me? And finally, yeah. one day, years later, the storm clouds parted and I realized why I had spent so much time writing fiction. Um, God was like, you know, every day, daughter, you are sitting in front of these service members and you're telling them that I'm mm-hmm. on their side. We know that spiritual is the greatest protective factor when it comes to suicide prevention. And every day you're yes. showing them that I'm not the author of the bad things, that I'm the one who wants them to recover and have restoration. And then all of a sudden, you know, when the universe wants you to do something, God calls you to do it. Everything starts to align so beautifully without effort. You're not having to chase your dreams. They're falling into your lap, but you're still working your ground to make your dreams happen and manifest themselves. And so it was in that moment that I really realized, hey, my calling, I got to write this book. I got to get it out there and I got to help my service members. But not only is it going to help my service members, it's going to help all of us who are going through painful experiences. It can be peace after combat for the service members, but you can fill in the blank with whatever painful life experience you had. It could be peace after sexual assault, peace after car accident. It could be anything. And it really just helps us to understand how we cope and to see beautiful vignettes and dialogues of how people are processing through their hurt and pain. Sure. And I really appreciate the versatility of that book because, you know, you and I were talking in the pre-call about that. I mean, it's so universal in so many ways because trauma is trauma, pain is pain. And so regardless of how it's, it plays out in one's life, we still experience the same type of emotions. You know, one thing I really, one of the many things I really appreciate about you is you are, you really focus on that God is not the author of of evil, if you will, or God is not the author of punishment. Can you tell me more about that? Because I think, unfortunately, many people have this belief system that God or their higher power, we'll, we'll talk specifically with God because that's we have the same belief system in that. But can, wh- help me, how, how do you help people decouple that? Because sometimes we're taught that that's fire and brimstone type of, of person, and that's not necessarily the case. How do you How do you help people decouple that? Yeah. So the bottom line up front for me, here's my little bitty algorithm. I kind of explained it earlier, but if it's not love, Mm 
it's not from God, especially from a Christian perspective where we're working and operating in the New Testament and we live mm -hmm. under an open heaven of blessing pouring down mm -hmm. upon us. We have a God who wants us to succeed. In fact, one of God's many names is that he is the father of grace. He is the hand of grace over our lives. And what is grace? It's the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. So earlier I stated that we have to have love. We're created neurobiologically wired to love and be loved. But in order to have love, we have to have relationship. And then prior to relationship, we have to have free will, right? And free will is never going to be taken away from us. We're going to choose every day. We're vessels. We're going to choose love and light and selflessness, or we're going to choose the other end of the spectrum. It's like I have the angel and the devil, right? I know the other end of the spectrum is selfishness. It's uh -huh. darkness. And we're choosing how we're operating. God's not going to take that free will away because if mm -hmm. he does, we can't have relationship. And if we can't have relationship, we can't have love. And that's the purpose of our creation. But what he will do is when adversity comes across our our life paths. He's going to make a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. He can part the Red Sea for us and he can turn beauty for ashes essentially. But we have, for me personally, to think that God would be the author of the negative things, I, I could not be a devout believer if I knew a God was punishing or trying to hurt me or harm me in a certain way. But I have to be free to know that my God loves me. And if it's not love, it's not from him, that he's going to be my light in the darkness. And mm -hmm. so love for love me it. is so critical. Mm -hmm. And I can see it on your face. You can see how, <laughs> how much that's changed your life and how, how visceral you believe that. And I think that is, is incredible. I, I think that's amazing. I, I really, you know, it, it link the linkage together with mental health when, and mental health techniques as well as what you just said as well as, is from a cognitive behavioral standpoint. So for people who want to read more about that, it's basically our thoughts determine our actions. And so when we, there's many different things that we can use. So as we know, um, I've talked before about this on, on my show as far as cognitive uh, distortions or thinking errors. So a thinking error is essentially the lens that one uses, like the glasses, which determine, determines um, how we see something slightly askew, which then causes us to feel a certain way, which then causes us to do something. So with the free will you're talking about, if you use God as that lens, if you will, then it helps kind of reframe the situation to say, well, maybe this isn't evil. Maybe this is, maybe it's different. So if it's different, then that was going to change my emotions. And when my emotions start to change, then my comportment or my presentation or my disposition then starts to change. And I can start to show that love as well and know my place in God because he is now the foundation of how I view things. And with that, with that, um, with that lens, if you will, allows me to now, like you said before, change the way my brain works to say, okay, well, if he's, if he's a part of this and I can respond with his methodology, I suppose, then all of a sudden, maybe I can use other ways. And so with that, that starts to transform the person. And so with that, as we all do that, we then all start to level up together and, and the way we communicate. <laughs> wow. Yes. You're so on point. I love what you're saying. You know, I, look um, there. <laughs> I think about, remember that old antiquated um, trend where we had wristbands that said WWJD, oh, yeah. what yeah. would Jesus do? <laughs> I mean, that's the same concept. How would Jesus yeah. view or how would God yeah. view or how would love view? How would the caring universe see this? You know, and when we're able to do that, WW, whatever your, if it's your JD or it's love do, whatever it may be, however you fill in the blank, then we're looking at it through a more accurate lens, not one that is ready to take offense, not one is catastrophizing or thinking worst case scenario, but one that is grounded in good things are going to happen to me. And I believe they're coming yes. my way. 
Yes. And, you know, there's also what's called the law of the group. So when it comes to psychology, we teach that the the average of the group. So let's say you are at a level of eight when it comes to positivity. I'm at a level four. So when you and I connect and spend time together, then all of a sudden I'm going to level up to level six and you're going to decrease to level six. So I think sometimes people forget that when the law of the group or the average of the group that we become that the more we hang out with people and spend time with people, wonderful people. But if we find that when we spend time with them and they're not demonstrating the, the attributes that we're working towards or can, can deter us from the things that we want or need that are healthy for us, it is important to be aware to not spend too much time with them or be aware of how to create those personal boundaries. So therefore we don't decrease or um, devolve, if you will, to these individuals. Wonderful people, but it is important to be mindful that we do become like the people with whom we associate. And I'm going to piggyback off of that. That's so important in the process of recovery, right? If you're recovering from any sort of addiction, yes. if you're going to change your playground, you got to change your playmates. And you can't keep wiring your brain because our brain is just neural networks. You know, there's a difference between our mind and our brains. Now, our mind directs the direction of our brains and it determines the emotional real estate that consumes our brains and how our brains are wired. And so if we're continuing to hang out with the same maladaptive people and we're trying to recover, it's just going to keep us in the same mindset. And it's going to be harder to switch up those new adaptive neural networks. So if you're going to change your playground to playground that is prosperous and of all good things, you do need to change your playmates. I agree with that. One of my favorite quotes is you can't hang out with chickens and expect to soar with eagles. <laughs> so, that is, <laughs> so that's something we're all going to focus on. <laughs> that is hysterical. So what's next for you? So you wrote this book. What's next? What's next on your radar? Oh, wherever God leads me, I do want to continue this platform. I want to get out mm-hmm. more with my nonprofit, Stand Up and Recover. Um, this pandemic situation makes it difficult to meet with people in person and to speak at certain events and large gatherings. I'm praying that we're going to find peace and healing and restoration in that for all mm-hmm. of us as a world together. But the mm-hmm. goal is to continue to help people to heal, to recover, not just work in the niche area of combat veterans, but to expand that. Uh, I've written a recovery ministry, getting that book published next coming down the pipeline. So just so much fun stuff. And it's just helping people understand their incredible brains and the life that their creator wants them to live. I love that. And you know, once again, I really want to commend you that you've been able to find the intersect between uh, religion or spirituality rather and the science world. I mean, I think so many times the, those camps have been divisive for too long. And so I'm so glad that you and, and many peers like yourself are able to find that intersect and really connect the two. Because once again, we're more than just our body or spirit, mind, and body, spirit, soul, and body, however you want to name it. But Mm -hmm. the fact that you're able to do that, I think really helps people recognize that they can't, they have a purpose and a plan and that there's more to them than they think in the moment. And that as they continue to read your book, once again, peace after combat, healing the spiritual and psychological wounds of war, that they will recognize that once again, that God is love and God has once again, a perfect purpose and a plan for their life. Yes, amen. I second that. <laughs> well, well, Dr. Tiffany Tajiri, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you, and once again, uh, purchase your book, Peace After Combat, Healing the Spiritual and Psychological Wounds of War, where will they find this information online? You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Walmart, barnesandnobles.com, Christian Book, any of the major resellers. Wonderful. My listeners also know that if they cannot, cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I will link you with Dr. Sear. Thank you so much. It's a blessing and honor and, and may God just continue to have his hand over your life. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap 
watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.